Hey, Prime members, you can listen to Business Movers ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the app today. It's 1980 at GM's assembly plant in Pontiac, Michigan. 18-year-old Mary Barra walks through the assembly floor headed for her workstation. She's one of only a handful of women who work on the factory floor. Until the 1970s, women weren't allowed to work on the assembly line. Mary's presence on the floor is a sign that the times are changing. (laughs) As Mary rounds the corner, she hears a whistle and then laughter from a group of men. Mary stops walking. This is one part of her job she could do without. Since she started at GM a few months back, the catcalls have been a regular occurrence. But today, Mary decides that enough is enough. Hey, can I help you? One of the men looks Mary up and down and smiles. No, ma'am, just looking. (laughs) Can't you just say hi instead? Hey, relax, we're just messing around, you know? No harm in a laugh, right? And what exactly is so funny? Well, look at you, you little lady getting all greasy and mucked up in a factory. Never seen anything like it. Yeah, I'm a real modern marvel. Get used to it. (laughs) Well, with that attitude, we'll see how long you last. You've been here, what, a couple of months? I've been busting my hump in this factory my whole life. You're not going to make it to Christmas. Mary is furious, but she does her best to remain calm and de-escalate the situation. Look, I'm here to learn and do the best I can, same as everyone else. What did you say your name was? I didn't, but it's Mary. Listen, Mary, it's nothing against you personally, but making cars is a man's job. It's just the way things are. Not anymore, I guess. It's my job now, too. What's your name? Frank? Mary holds out her hand and offers to shake. Nice to meet you, Frank. Now, the next time you see me coming, how about just saying, Hey, Mary, instead of whistling and laughing. (laughs) Sure, but don't expect anyone here to go easy on you just because you're a lady. I don't want easy, Frank. And I don't want any special treatment. Just treat me like any other worker. You don't whistle at him, do you? No? That's all I ask. Mary entered automaking at a time when women were just beginning to advance in the workplace. She faced her fair share of sexism, but she didn't let it bother her. She stayed focused on her work, determined to prove that she could do her job just as well as any man. And people took notice. At the age of 18, she was placed in charge of a troubleshooting team in her factory, calling the shots on how best to fix broken parts. Slowly but surely, she climbed the ladder from factory floor to corporate headquarters. She was promoted to vice president of HR and head of global product development before rising to become GM's first female CEO after over 100 years of male leadership. But the company she inherited was stuck in the past. Many people, both in and outside the company, had their doubts about Mary. But just like she had done on the factory floor, she didn't let it get to her. Instead, she focused on her work and on showing the world that sometimes it takes a woman to do a man's job. An epic matchup between your two favorite teams, and you're at the game getting the most from what it means to be here with American Express. You breeze through the card member entrance, stop by the lounge. Now it's almost tip-off, and everyone's already on their feet. This is going to be good. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your live sports experience at AmericanExpress.com slash with Amex. Eligible American Express card required. Benefits vary by card and by venue. Terms apply. 
This episode is brought to you in part by Audible, your go-to destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Whether you're looking for a hair-raising experience to enjoy while you're on the move or eager to dive into sinister and shocking tales, Audible has an exclusive collection of thrillers from best-selling authors that will keep you on the edge of your seat. Like The Guest List by Lucy Foley. Experience stories like never before, where every chilling detail is brought to life by captivating sound design. Plus, as an Audible member, choose one title a month to make yours forever. And now, new members can try Audible free for 30 days. Just visit audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. That's audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. From Wondery, I'm Lindsey Graham, and this is Business Movers. Mary was an agent of change from the very beginning. She climbed the ladder of a male-dominated company and rose to become CEO. Along the way, she sought to change GM's policies and practices, its values, character, culture, and mode of doing business. Unlike the old GM she came up in, Mary was not stuck in her ways. She was willing to learn and eager to adapt. Mary once participated in an executive training program in Japan and China. During her time there, she observed telephone company executives struggling with industry-wide disruption. Their customers didn't want landlines anymore. They wanted wireless cell phones. These executives understood that if they didn't act quickly to start making things their customers wanted, they might lose their entire market share. Mary was sure not to forget this lesson. By the time she became CEO, Mary saw that, like the telephone business, the auto industry was being disrupted by technology and an ever-changing customer base. People were driving less as ride-sharing companies like Uber and Lyft grew in prominence and popularity. And those who did want to own cars wanted them to be faster, safer, more environmentally friendly, and more technologically advanced. Mary knew that if GM didn't adapt to this changing landscape, America's automaker may not survive the disruption. So Mary would make it her mission to save the auto industry from the past by launching it into the future. This is episode three in our four-part series on GM, Winds of Change. It's January 2015 at GM's headquarters in Detroit, Michigan, one year after Mary Barra stepped up as CEO. Mary sits around the room with some of her top advisors. She wants to aggressively push GM to get out in front of the disruption currently facing the auto industry. To do this, she needs the company to invest in high-tech prototypes that will cost billions of dollars and take years to pay off. Some of the men around the table aren't buying Mary's ideas. They believe cars are simple. They should get people from A to B. But Mary believes technology can help cars be much more. Next slide, please. These new technological initiatives will position GM to ride the wave of disruption into the future. Imagine a world where cars have automatic braking system, rear cameras, Wi-Fi capabilities. They're self-driving. With these new features, customers will flock to dealerships. Next slide, please. Um, Ms. Barr, before you go on, and I don't and I don't mean to be a squeaky wheel here, but but are you suggesting that we take twenty to thirty billion dollars? put it into some gadgets? I mean, it's it's a car. It's not a spaceship. That's like, that's like Branson and Bezos stuff. 
It seems like a steep price to pay just to have some extra perks in a vehicle. Well, you're right. It is a big price tag, but these aren't perks. They add considerable value for the customers. With these investments, our cars will do things no other vehicle in the market can. I'm just worried about the price tag. What what makes you think all this stuff will actually make our cars more desirable? Well, we've done our homework. We've looked at studies and launched product testing, and it's all promising. Many of these technologies are proven to make cars safer, faster, and more efficient. We need to be adding them to all our vehicles. We need to rethink how we're making cars. Well, is right now the time for such change? It's your first year as CEO. Last year was a disaster for GM. Why don't we just get out from under that? Well, see, I think that's exactly the problem. Playing it safe and conservative because of a rough patch in the past is not going to save us from the future. The entire auto industry is just sitting around twiddling its thumbs when it should be adapting, making things that people want. And look, we know what they want. They want cars that run like computers, machines that operate like smart robots. They want their cars to predict danger, prevent it. They want to be connected with the outside world, all from the comfort of an air-conditioned leather front seat. I want to retool GM cars with all this latest technology, make them safer and smarter. Yeah, it's, it sounds good, but no other automaker out there is, is, is doing any of this. That's exactly right. But maybe there's a reason for that. We are not our competition. This is not like any other company. This is the future, gentlemen. Mary knew there would be plenty of pushback to her initiative. GM had long been stuck in the past in its old way of doing business. But that mentality and the company's mismanagement had driven GM into bankruptcy and had led to massive setbacks like the ignition switch failure that resulted in driver deaths. But Mary was in charge now. It was her job to lead GM toward making better cars. And in the end, she was determined to prove to the men and women under her and to the industry as a whole that her initiative was a gateway to the future. After the ignition switch scandal in 2014, customer safety was at the forefront of Mary's mind. The old GM had put cost over customers, and as a result, people had died. When the public backlash finally died down, Many inside GM were content to continue with business as usual, but Mary was determined to make sure that type of mistake would never happen again. She continued questioning industry norms and focused GM's attention on using the latest technology to make cars safer. She knew it was the right thing to do, but she also knew it was what customers wanted. Mary's workday often included trips to dealerships and other community events where she could talk directly with customers. She would shake their hands and listen to their stories about what drove their car-buying decisions. She loved hearing honest feedback on what people wanted and what GM needed to be doing to make its cars fit their needs. And in nearly all her conversations, there was a recurring theme. Customers wanted better safety features. In response, Mary and her engineering teams began fast-tracking a few key technologies that would alert drivers to unsafe conditions on the road and new technologies to protect younger drivers. Mary piloted Teen Driver in the new Chevy Malibu. This feature would allow parents to set maximum speeds, and if the teen exceeded the limit, an alert would go off, warning the driver to slow down. The new features also included technology that would help teen drivers see blind spots and obstacles in the road. Mary loved these groundbreaking technologies, and she had a personal investment in them too. Both her son and daughter were teen drivers. I'm fortunate, knock on wood, that they're pretty safe drivers. I'm really proud of them. Uh, as they're learning the rules of the road, they're safe. But Mary wasn't just thinking about her own kids. She was thinking about the victims of the ignition switch failure, 
who were killed or injured because they are unable to use their power brakes. With those victims in mind, Mary pushed her engineers to design an automatic braking system. This new technology would help prevent crashes by making sure cars could stop themselves. She and her engineers included more advances, like rear backup cameras and sensors that would vibrate a driver's seat if a hazard was near. Under Mary's leadership, GM invested billions of dollars in safety-based technologies, but she didn't stop there. Mary also wanted to use technology to add value to her cars and make them more appealing to the next generation of consumers. To accomplish that goal, Mary looked outside of GM to Silicon Valley. In the world of innovation, Detroit and Silicon Valley are polar opposites. Historically, GM had been slow to change, but Silicon Valley was the birthplace of big tech, a culture that fostered nimble startups that could adapt and evolve with lightning speed and dexterity. Mary had cut her teeth in the old factories of Motor City, but she knew that if GM wanted to get out in front of industry disruption, the company would need a boost from Silicon Valley. Mary set out to form a partnership with Apple and Google to make GM cars compatible with both companies' products. But the deal was a long shot because Apple and Google were fierce competitors. The two Silicon Valley juggernauts rarely, if ever, worked together, and they almost never entered into a deal without product exclusivity. It wasn't surprising then that Mary's early efforts to bring the two companies to the table stalled. But Mary was persistent. In the spring of 2015, she and her top developers flew to Silicon Valley to talk through the potential partnership. Mary also brought Apple and Google developers to GM's headquarters to show them how the technology would work in their cars. Mary spent weeks, countless hours, trying to win them over. Her pitch was simple. Apple and Google's customers stood to gain from the partnership because they would be able to take their phones with them on the road. Mary sold them hard. She wanted all GM cars to be able to connect with both Google and Apple products. When drivers sat behind the wheel, whatever was happening on their Google or Apple devices would transfer seamlessly to interactive screens. The car and the phone would become one. In the end, Mary's arguments won the day. Both companies overlooked the lack of exclusivity, in no small part because Mary made them an offer they couldn't refuse, a share in the profits of every car sold. The deal between GM, Apple, and Google took the auto industry by surprise. Many industry insiders marveled at the fact that Mary had been able to bring two rival companies together. Many others criticized GM for having to crawl to Silicon Valley for help with innovation. But Mary and her subordinates had an answer to that. It didn't matter that Google and Apple had built the tech that drove the innovation. What mattered was that GM was giving customers what they wanted while looking toward the future. General Motors CEO Mary Barra is announcing this technology breakthrough at Code today. Kenny told us that it was not a tough sell to integrate Apple and Google technology into General Motors products. It's really about customer choice, and that's what Mary's been very clear about, is we're going to put the customer at the center of everything we do. You know, the successful car company is going to be the one that can look at the great idea no matter where it comes from. To think that one car company is going to control it and have all the best ideas is, is just not the future. I mean, it's not, it's not the future here, it's not the future in any industry. You have to be able to adapt and integrate. Mary succeeded in establishing a critical partnership with Apple and Google, but the deal came at a personal cost. The seemingly never-ending meetings, phone calls, and work trips took their toll. Mary was a CEO, but she was also a wife and mother. Like countless other GM employees, men and women, Mary had made plenty of personal sacrifices over the year for the sake of the company. She missed hockey games, movie nights, family dinners. In the old GM, work always came first, no matter what. And Mary wasn't one to complain. 
But she was the type of leader who wasn't afraid to question the status quo. And as CEO, Mary saw clearly that GM was not doing nearly enough to promote a healthy work-life balance. In Mary's mind, prioritizing family time would not only lead to more productivity, it would help Mary accomplish another goal, bringing more women into the workplace. When Mary became GM's first female CEO, she immediately paid her success forward by instituting more progressive hiring practices. Now, in the wake of GM's deal with Apple and Google, Mary would double down on her efforts. For over a century, women had been largely relegated to minor roles at GM. But under Mary's tenure, that would all change. She would create an organization designed to uplift women workers and give them a platform to make their voices heard. When you choose Organic Valley, not only will you be enjoying great-tasting dairy, you'll help to save over 1,600 small organic family farms who are protecting over 400,000 acres of organic farmland and all the plants and animals that call it home. This is dairy you can feel good about. It's great-tasting, high-quality organic dairy ethically sourced from small organic family farms. To find Organic Valley Dairy near you, visit ov.coop. That's ov.coop. Whether you hydrate to live or live to hydrate, Liquid IV quenches your thirst faster than water alone. With three times the electrolytes of the leading sports drink, plus eight vitamins and nutrients for everyday wellness, all in a single sugar-free stick. Liquid IV is perfect for daily use before a workout, when you feel run down, after a long night out, or on long flights. Basically, anytime you need a pick-me-up, however you hydrate. Grab your Liquid IV Hydration Multiplier Sugar-Free in bulk nationwide at Costco, or get 20% off your first order when you go to liquidiv.com and use code WONDERY at checkout. That's 20% off your first order when you shop Better Hydration today using promo code WONDERY at liquidiv.com. It's summer of 2015 at GM's Warren Center, the hub of GM's engineering teams. Mary sits around a table with a newly formed group called GM Women, a program Mary started to help coach, train, and promote the women of GM. As she listens to feedback from the group, Mary grows increasingly frustrated. The company has made huge strides in gender equity, but today Mary realizes that the women still don't feel like equals to their male counterparts inside GM. And now the women are holding the CEO's feet to the fire. Mary leans in and listens to a woman named Sarah tell her story. I, I love this job. I feel excited by the work we're doing, but I still feel it's so much harder for women than men in my role. I've got kids and it's hard to work long hours, but I don't think my boss cares. He's a man with no family and he just doesn't understand how hard it is to be a parent and work full time. I'm sorry to hear that, Sarah. Have you tried to talk with your boss about being more flexible with your schedule? <laughs> no, he doesn't listen to me. I don't have a fancy title. But you're the CEO. Maybe you could talk to him. You could do something, right? Yes, I could. Uh, and I appreciate you telling me this. I'll take this back to the HR team, and we can see what we can do to make your schedule more flexible. Mary looks around the room to the other women. Who else is facing challenges like Sarah? A woman raises her hand, and Mary calls her name. Maria? Yes, yes, ma'am. I'm an engineer, and I know you started your career that way. You were one of the first women engineers here, but honestly, female engineers just aren't respected. What do you mean by that? What's it been like for you? 
Well, I'm on a team with all men, and it feels like I'm constantly belittled just because I'm a woman. I've been told that I'm too pretty to be an engineer, that I should work in sales, that I should leave the math and science to the men. It's demoralizing, and it's not just a few of the men. Ms. Barr, I think it's the whole industry. Well, I have the feeling you're right, and I'll do everything I can, I promise. Well, there is something you can do right now. Oh? There's a social media campaign on Twitter. Women are posting photos of themselves with the hashtag, I look like an engineer. Apparently some ad featuring a female engineer got some sexist comments, and this is a reaction to that. A movement started to show support for women in our field. I think GM should join in. Oh, I like that. Yes, I think GM should join in. On August 4th, 2015, Mary tweeted to her 15,000 followers a photo of herself standing in front of a bright blue GM car. With the picture, she wrote, GM has a diverse array of talented engineers around the world, and I'm honored to lead them. After Mary's tweet, the I look like an engineer idea gained momentum, with over 36,000 women using the hashtag to post their own photos. Women were always outliers in the auto industry, and as CEO, Mary was one of a kind. But she was determined to use her powerful position to give the women of GM and the industry a voice. While Mary pushed GM's designers toward technological advances, she focused serious efforts on recruiting the next generation of women into the auto industry. As she had advanced in the company, she faced constant criticism that women couldn't make cars, be engineers, or run a company. But now Mary not only wanted to show the world that women could do all those things, she wanted the women inside GM to help her transform the male-dominated industry. Mary was proud of GM's gender makeup of a 25% female workforce and a 42% female board, a number that grew under her leadership. But for Mary, it wasn't enough. One key strategy she employed was creating opportunities for women early in their career, an issue close to Mary's heart. When she had joined GM in the 1980s, the company had just started to reckon with its past of excluding women from the workplace. The leaders of GM at the time launched a series of programs to recruit and train more women, fast-tracking their careers and helping them ascend the corporate ladder. Mary owed her career to those programs. Now Mary wanted to pay it forward for other young women. Long before her time as CEO, Mary instituted a series of programs designed to give young women a chance. As CEO, she redoubled her efforts expanding those programs and building new ones. And she sent a clear message to her managers, seek out and develop talented women and promote them as much as possible. Then in the spring of 2015, she started GM's first Global Women's Summit, an annual gathering of the company's 100 top female leaders. The goal of the summit was for GM's women leaders to brainstorm and draft initiatives that would further help women advance their careers. Mary led and observed sessions and talked with women from around the world. One common theme surfaced that Mary understood all too well. Women with families often didn't see a path forward for themselves. She also frequently heard stories that reminded her that sexism in the workplace was alive and well. Mary herself remembered the challenge of being a mom and a top executive at a major company. She never forgot her own early encounters with sexist behavior. Mary realized that if GM wanted to recruit and keep women, the company needed to evolve into a more welcoming environment. So with the help of other women inside GM, Mary created and instituted new business practices designed to put family first. Mary's favorite change were meetings that would begin and end on time. If a meeting was supposed to end at 5.30, that's when it would end. She didn't want to miss any more of her kids' games or family meals, and she wanted the same for her workforce. 
through her new policies, Mary told her company that family mattered. Mary wanted people to have more flexibility in their work and life schedules. Depending on the job, Mary encouraged workers to make their own schedules as much as possible without compromising GM's high-performance standards. She realized that people work better when companies give them flexibility to do their job in the environment that works best for them. If that meant telecommuting or working from home, Mary encouraged it. For some, it even meant working four days instead of five. But to Mary, the key was giving workers choice and opportunity, something women and men had often been denied in corporate workplaces. Through Mary's leadership, GM also launched a series of reforms in gender pay and paid parental leave. At a rapid pace, she began to transform what work looked like inside GM. Soon, her efforts gained the attention of corporate strategists and the mainstream media. In June of 2015, Mary set a Fortune 500 record for a female CEO. The magazine's rankings, determined by a company's annual revenues, put Mary in the number six slot. That was the highest a female-led company had ranked ever since Fortune started tracking gender. But her ranking wasn't based on gender. It was a result of GM's stellar performance. Her attempt to transform GM's culture was already paying dividends. In 2015, the automaker had recorded its best quarter in North America since its resurgence from the 2009 bankruptcy. But Mary didn't like being the center of attention. She was, at her core, a soft-spoken, small-town Michigander who loved tinkering with cars. Seeing her face on magazines and news broadcasts made her squirm, even when the headlines were positive. In May, Forbes named Mary number five on its list of the world's 100 most powerful women. The four women who outranked her were Janet Yellen, the chair of the Federal Reserve, billionaire philanthropist Melinda Gates, political powerhouse Hillary Clinton, and German Chancellor Angela Merkel. Oh, the CEO of General Motors is the highest ranking woman CEO. Yes, she is. She comes in at number five on our list. And she took uh, the job last year in a very, very um, challenging time at GM with the recall crisis. And a lot of people questioning whether she could turn around the bureaucratic culture. And in a year, a lot of people have faith that she can, uh, can turn this, this company around and deal with the big safety issues they've had. Then in September of 2015, Mary got a call from Fortune magazine that took her breath away. The publication named her the number one most powerful woman in American business. She had come a long way from the young girl thumping fenders on the factory floor. Winning an award like most powerful woman in business might have given some leaders a license to relax, but Mary was never one to rest on her laurels. Mary knew that the auto industry was still in a state of nearly constant change and that GM had to stay out in front of any disruption. In October, Mary spoke at Fortune's Most Powerful Woman Summit. During the question and answer, when an audience member asked Mary what the next big disruption would be, she didn't hesitate. Well, I think we're being disrupted right now. Um, in fact, I'm on record as saying I think in the next five to ten years, we'll see more change in uh, the auto industry than we've seen in the last 50. Mary saw disruption on multiple fronts. One of the biggest disruptors was ride-sharing services like Uber and Lyft. As a result of the growing popularity of ride-sharing, Mary was beginning to see a future where most people's lives didn't involve hours behind the wheel. It was a frightening thought for a CEO of a car company, but as always, Mary saw an opportunity. For 100 years, GM had been a car company, but now Mary began to envision a world where GM wouldn't sell just cars. It would sell personal mobility. Instead of looking at ride-sharing services as the competition, Mary and her team hatched a plan to join forces with a ride-sharing app and create a new line of autonomous vehicles. Once again, Mary and her team would get on a plane 
and try and make a deal with another Silicon Valley giant. It's all a lighthearted nightmare on our podcast, Morbid. We're your hosts. I'm Alina Urquhart. And I'm Ash Kelly. And our show is part true crime, part spooky, and part comedy. The stories we cover are well-researched. He claimed and confessed to officially killing up to 28 people. With a touch of humor. I'd just like sure. to go ahead and say that if there's no band called Malevolent Deity, that is pretty great. A dash of sarcasm and just garnished a bit with a little bit of cursing. This mother lied like a liar like a liar and if you're a weirdo like us and love to cozy up to a creepy tale of the paranormal or you love to hop in the Wayback machine and dissect the details of some of history's most notorious crimes you should tune in to our podcast morbid follow morbid on the wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts you can listen to episodes early and ad free by joining wondery plus in the wondery app or on apple podcasts It's December 2015 at Lyft's headquarters in San Francisco. Mary and GM President Dan Ammon step into the office of Lyft co-founder John Zimmer. The GM team is here to negotiate a deal with the ride-sharing service. Mary hopes she and Ammon can walk away from the meeting with a partnership agreement that will set GM up for the future. But right now, GM and Lyft aren't natural allies. If anything, Lyft is eating into the demand for GM's products. Mary hopes a partnership will stop the bleeding and generate profits for both companies. As Mary and Ammon take their seats, Zimmer leads off the meeting. Well, it's such a pleasure to have a titan of Detroit come and visit us on the West Coast. I'm eager to learn more about this potential investment, but I've got to be honest, I'm skeptical. We're a company that serves riders, not drivers. How do you see us working together? Well, you said it yourself. In the past, our customers have been drivers, but we want to be more than that. What do you mean by more? We want to lead the way in making on-demand, self-driving cars. And we want Lyft to help us do it. We have car-making expertise. You have an innovative platform. If we put these together, making cars and deploying cars, both GM and Lyft will succeed. But what sort of success are we talking about? Dan, you want to explain the plan? We want to partner together to make the next line of self-driving cars. Lyft will get access to all of GM's cars, services, and technologies. We're projecting several billion over the next few years. Right now, GM is willing to invest 400 million in Lyft. So we get cars and 400 million. That sounds like a good deal for us, but what's what's the catch? What does GM want? GM will be the sole provider of cars for the Lyft drivers in the rental hubs we set up. And we'll share in the profits. Is that it? No. We also want a seat on your board. Mary knew this last item would be a sticking point for Lyft. An investment and partnership agreement is one thing. Letting an old-school automaker into the boardroom of a tech company is quite another. Mary might have to sweeten the deal. I know that's an ask, an unusual one. But we're deeply committed to making this alliance work. What's it going to take to bring Lyft to the table? Well, how about $500 million? And a commitment from GM to be true partners. We're not going to take marching orders from a corporate overlord in Detroit. $500 million. And a true partnership. Well, that's something I'd enjoy. You have my word. Well, then you have yourself a deal. In January of 2016, GM announced its deal to invest in Lyft's network of self-driving cars. Once again, Mary's strategy shocked the business world. 
The $500 million investment was the largest GM had ever made in another company. But Mary was confident it was the right move, and she wasn't alone. Around that same time, rumors surfaced from Silicon Valley that Google was inventing its own line of self-driving vehicles. This only strengthened Mary's resolve that she was on the right track. It was a big investment and a big risk, but Mary wasn't interested in playing it safe. She was interested in laying the groundwork for GM's future. While the partnership with Lyft moved forward, Mary met with her developers and engineers to see how progress was going on another GM project, the Super Cruise. This groundbreaking technology gave drivers in any car the ability to be hands-free. With the push of a button, the vehicle's lane detection and radar software would give partial control of the car to the computer inside it. Mary and her top product developers went and test drove the Super Cruise prototype at its 4,000-acre proving ground in rural Michigan. As Mary sat behind the wheel of a car, moving 70 miles per hour without touching the steering wheel, she could see the potential before her eyes. Self-driving cars didn't have to be a futuristic fantasy with a high price tag. With consistent and patient development, Mary knew that GM could make this technology a reality. But these technological advances often took several months or much longer to reach customers. Many of the investments Mary pushed GM to make in 2015 would take years to pay off. But Mary was confident that once they did, these strategic efforts to disrupt her own industry would be successful. After unveiling the prototype for GM's self-driving technology, GM would receive substantial investments from a slew of companies, most notably Microsoft, and Mary's investment in Lyft would eventually earn GM about a billion dollars. Mary's turn to new technologies in 2015 would also earn GM multiple awards in the years ahead. In 2015, GM was named one of the top companies for executive women. Years later, the company would be widely recognized for its advantages in gender equity. Mary's efforts to give choice and opportunity to women would earn GM the top spot in a gender equality study, revealing that the automaker had the lowest pay gap of any major company. Today, GM is seen as a shining example of a diverse and inclusive workplace for women. Following her investment in safer and new technologies, Mary felt that America's automaker was finally on the right path. But she could also see that GM still faced challenges ahead. Once again, the auto industry was faced with monumental disruption. Since the 1880s, automobiles have been powered by gasoline. But in recent years, technological innovations gave rise to a new way of making cars, and customers were hungry for the change. The data showed that customers didn't just want safer, more technologically advanced cars. They demanded cleaner cars. And they wanted to buy them from companies that were willing to reckon with a warming planet and a growing climate crisis. To secure GM's tomorrow and that of the planet, Mary would shift gears away from gas-powered vehicles and drive GM into the future with electric cars. Next on Business Movers, as Mary Barra races toward an electric future against the likes of Tesla, she will have to reckon with tough decisions involving GM's workforce. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to Business Movers ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today, or you can listen ad-free with Wondery Plus and Apple Podcasts. Before you go, tell us about yourself by completing a short survey at wondery.com survey. From Wondery, this is Episode 3 of General Motors Back from the Dead for Business Movers. A quick note about our dramatizations. In most cases, we can't know everything that happened, but all our reenactments are based on historical research. If you'd like to learn more about Mary Barra and General Motors, we recommend Road to Power, how GM's Mary Barra shattered the glass ceiling by Laura Colby and Overhaul 
Insider's account of the Obama administration's emergency rescue of the auto industry by Stephen Ratner. Business Movers is hosted, edited, and executive produced by me, Lindsey Graham, for Airship. Audio editing and sound design by Derek Barons. Music by Lindsey Graham. This episode is written in research by Leah Waters. Executive producers are Stephen Walters for Ritual Productions and Dave Schilling, Jenny Lauer-Beckman, and Marsha Louie for Wondering. Hey, it's Guy Raz here, the host of How I Built This, a podcast that gives you a front row seat to how some of the biggest products were built and the innovators, entrepreneurs, and idealists behind them. Every week, I speak to someone new, stories like Justin Wolverton's, a lawyer who just wanted a healthy alternative to ice cream, so he created Halo Top in his Cuisinart. Or Todd Graves, who grew his fried chicken restaurant Raising Cane's into one of the most successful fast food chains in the U.S. All of these great conversations can help you learn how to think big, take risks, and navigate crises in life and work from people who've done all of that and more. Follow How I Built This on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to How I Built This early and ad-free right now on Wondery Plus.